0: On
1: Strength and honor. Strength and honor. Let my signal unleash hell. It's EGAT, Kevin and Paul. You know, the Texas season ends and I'm thinking, what are we going to talk about? We've done this before and we always find what we think are fun things to talk about. But there's no no reason to try and create things, Paul. We've got stuff falling in our lap.
0: We absolutely do. And uh, one of the things that we want you to do as this podcast falls into your proverbial lap, dear listeners, is continue to support us. Go to iTunes. If you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Write a few kind words. Hit subscribe instead of just manually downloading it, uh, which I know a bunch of you do. A bunch of you olds, I'm looking at you. Uh, (laughs) Hey, help us out. We're stuck at, I think, 269 reviews right now. I'd like to get over 300 by the end of the year. That would be awesome. So see if you guys can help us out. Definitely appreciate that. And then while you're doing that, help yourself out. Talk about falling in your lap. Kevin. Kevin. We have a little bit of economic turmoil going on right now, if you haven't noticed, (laughs) but one of the things that's done is freeze and actually lower rates. They had a good week in rates last week. And that means right now, our buddy Gabe Winslow, who you can reach at mortgagesbygabe.com or 832-557-1095. Gabe is right now, he's doing deals for people with good credit and those deals on a 30 year are going to start with a two. And If you go to other lenders through traditional means like banks, et cetera, it ain't going to look like that and you're not going to get that level of service. Uh, Now, there are some crazy wholesale cut rate mortgage services out there on the internet where you'll never interact with a human being. If you read the headlines, you notice that one of those recent companies just laid off about a thousand people because according to the CEO, the average worker from home was working about two hours a day. So uh, Gabe Winslow works about 10 hours a day on your behalf. Uh, So you can choose who you want to go with, the guy with a work ethic who's going to basically knock himself silly trying to get your loan closed on time, or you can go with the anonymous internet uh, algorithm that doesn't give a crap if you close on time or if you lose that house. So give Gabe a call, 832-557-1095. And of course, if you're in the Central Texas region, you need to go with Laura Baker, She's awesome at what she does. And this is a tremendous time to go look for a house. Things are slowing down a little bit at work. You're getting a little bit of extra time. This is a great time to go look at houses, especially if you're in the market or if you're in the market to sell. This is an opportune time. You're not going to be competing with a lot of other product. So give her a call. Of course, she's with the Keller Williams teams of Andy Allen, pardon me, the Andy Allen team of Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Let her know that we sent you. Kevin, we have so much to talk about. I'm going to give you some topics and uh we could choose what we want to lead off with. We've got first of all, I want, to, I, want
1: to, I want to lead off with 2 hours a day. Is that the Bob Bowlesby work plan?
0: Yeah, the Bob Bullsby work plan. Yeah, 2 hours is ambitious. Uh, no wonder that guy wanted to hold on to the Big 12. Uh, well, holy <laughs> cow. What a what a work retirement program that guy's been on. He's he was on the Less Miles Kansas program. <laughs> Oh, but I want to, I want to, what do we want to start with? We do want to start with the amazing Texas NIL deals that have been hitting and what that's going to mean for the program as they're trying to close out this recruiting class. And of course hit, hit the portal. Do we want to talk about Quinn Ewers? Who's left the Ohio state Buckeyes? Or do we want to talk about Cristobal, Mario Cristobal, who's going from Oregon, which we both agree is a gosh, top 10 to 15 job in college football. To the Miami Hurricanes, probably a top 20 job. What do we want to talk about first?
1: God, we have a lot to hit to, and Venables as well. We may have to do two this week again and do a little quickie, which Paul and I are so good at uh, later on. That's part of our lifestyle, man. Uh, let's, hey, let's go and start with Ewers and the Texas NIL. I think all those kind of fit in together. And so, yeah, Quinn Ewers. Not a big surprise. There had been a lot of smoke that he was going to put his name in the portal, and he has. And from reports, I mean, there were three schools that were thrown out there, Texas, Texas A&M, and Texas Tech. I know Twitter was a buzz over the weekend that, that it sounds like he's going to Texas Tech, and that with the OC hire, a guy who had worked with Pat Mahomes, that maybe that was going to be enough, but... Man, this just seems perfect for Texas to go upgrade at the quarterback position and go get a guy with a damn really good arm and a really quick release.
0: Yeah, pedigree arm, uh, elite film from his junior year. There was no senior year, Kevin, because Quinn Ewers took his talents to Columbus. He basically went pro. Uh, He took a big NIL deal hawking something. I have no idea what it was. And I think got paid out a million dollars is the rumor. And then promptly went to Ohio State and sat on the pine and realized he probably doesn't like cold winters and you know he wasn't going to be coordinated as a effectively a high school senior to lead the Ohio State Buckeyes. So Quinn Ewers is gonna transfer. I don't think he ends up at A and M. I actually think Tech is a legitimate competitor in no small part because of the NIL deals that they're striking on their end.
1: Interesting. Yeah, and actually, we're going to talk a lot of NIL because I think that'll be part of the conversation with Cristobal when we get there. But yeah, this would be huge if Texas could could snag him. Everything I'm hearing, yeah, Tech is a legitimate contender. I don't think he'd go to A and M. A and M's obviously the strongest program in the state right now, so you can't overlook them. You can't totally overlook them, but this would be big. Uh, what? What are you hearing with, with Ewers? Are you hearing anything in terms of his relationship with Sark or Texas?
0: I know that Texas was in his house pitching Texas to him within hours of his announcement of going into the portal. And uh, I think they made a pretty compelling argument. And I think that argument, without denigrating anyone that's on campus, uh, I'm not saying that this is what happened. I think it's one of the things that could happen. I think – Sark is selling them on a long, on him and a longer vision of what, how his offense would open up with an elite arm and a guy who, at least in high school, showed pretty good quick processing speed. I think it doesn't take much to sh- for Sark to show some film and some film clips of missed opportunities and how many times in a game he schemes open, wide open receivers down the field.
1: Yeah, especially some of the deep shots. Both those guys, both Card and Casey, struggled with with deep shots and kind of for different reasons. But, yeah, the, you go back and look at it, and we talked about it real time. Their, Sark did scheme open a lot of a lot of plays that they just couldn't hit on. So I, I think you can show them that. You got, always got to be careful with denigrating too much of the guys on campus, but you can just put it in front of the kid and say, hey, th- this is what's going on, and let him kind of make up his own mind. The the beauty of
0: film is it speaks for itself. You don't have to say a negative word. Mm-hmm. The, you know, one thing I would say a, a little caution on Quinn Ewers if he does come to Texas. I, he is. I, I think I'm on record last year when we were talking about him when he was briefly a briefly a Texas commit to Tom Herman. Uh, it's one of the purest high school arms I've ever seen at at his level. You know, when we're looking at his sophomore and junior film. That said, there's more to being a quarterback than just your arm. And, you know, you can look at the Jeff Georges, you can look at the gifted people. Now, of course, the the takeaway of Jeff George is he still made it in the NFL and had a lengthy career, uh, basically just off of physical talent. But there's more to being a quarterback. And it's about leadership. It's about timing. It's about precision. It's about accuracy. It's about mental toughness. You know, Tom Brady's not the most physically gifted quarterback in the history of the league, but he's the GOAT.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're totally right about that. And that. That would maybe be my, my question. I, I've seen him play, I think, two or three games, so I don't want to read into it too much. And obviously one of those was against Westlake. Yeah, I mean, I, I would wonder what type of attitude he has and, and if he's the type of guy that can galvanize a locker room. But right now I'm just looking at what we do know, and that is arm talent, and he would be a serious upgrade over anyone on campus.
0: There's an old expression that may be slightly analogous, which is basically you want to get him on campus and find out. Yeah. <laughs> let's go find out the mental part because the physical part's there. It's sort of like the old expression of it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. let's find out if he's a warrior in a garden. and And, you know, because right now we might have some gardeners trying to go to war. And let's see. Let's let's see what he's got. Uh, we're going to find out on that soon because I know yours is going to want to be a little bit of a pied piper to other potential recruits, particularly on offense, offensive linemen and wide receivers. So he's going to make his decision within the week. Heck, when we release this podcast, there might be a decision already made. But uh, that'll be very interesting. Another big move, and we do have to hit this. I talk about burying the lead. The Oklahoma Sooners, Sooners have their higher. It's Brett Venables, who used to be the defensive coordinator. Ironically enough, Kevin, he was the fall guy back in the day for Mike Stoops. Yep, uh, They were co-DCs. Bob had to choose. He chose his brother. And we found out very quickly that Venables was very good at his job and, and Mike was very bad at his job. Mike ends up getting fired by Lincoln Riley. Venables goes on to really carry Clemson, along with, of course, Deshaun Watson, to Their first title uh, under Dabo Sweeney, he fielded multiple elite defenses, did a really good job at Clemson. This is the third assistant or coordinator that Joe Castiglione has hired at OU. The previous two were Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley. Those seem to pan out pretty well. What about Brett Venables?
1: Yeah, I, I like Venables, and, and you you laid it out perfectly. He was the fall guy, and it was pretty evident that Mike Stoops was the problem. You could even say Josh Heupel was a fall guy. Now, they replaced him with Lincoln Riley, so uh, good move, even though Heupel was able to to take his career down a pretty good path. Venables is a hell of a D.C. I, I don't know if this is going to work. You're right. It, Castiglione's done a good job hiring assistants and that have really worked out but they bring in a defensive guy. I would love to find out what their list was and and, and if there was someone maybe more of a home run higher than Brent Venables. But I I like him a lot. Well, you know, OU seems to – they seem to hire well. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a thumbs up. But it doesn't scare the shit out of me.
0: It doesn't scare me either. I don't know – look, OU's magic has come from offense. Certainly, of late, um, because they sure of hell weren't playing any defense at the end of the Stoops era, right? No. But they had a elite, badass world class offense, and consequently, they recruited very well on the offensive line of the uh, offensive side of the football. That's been reversed somewhat recently. They've done a good job recruiting on defense with Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch is gone. I think several of those recruits are gone. Several of those players who were the mainstays of the Oklahoma defense are either graduating or transferring. I think Venables has a little bit of a rebuild. He's going to have a hundred percent of the resources of the university and the state behind him. Of the three hires that Joe Castiglione has made, I think Venables is going to prove to be the least of the three.
1: I agree. for Venables, it's really about what OC he hires, and if he can go get a a hot shot young offensive mind. And then also, let's not forget who else Lincoln Riley took. Bill Biedenboe was one of the special reasons behind the Oklahoma sauce or whatever you want to call it, Oklahoma magic, the offensive line coach. He's going to USC, too. Who do they hire as an offensive line coach to keep that going? And obviously above that, who do they hire as an offensive mind? If he nails that, then watch out.
0: I agree. Hey, I will say this about Venables. One of the big fears you have when in hiring a defensive coordinator coach is that they overfocus on their side of the ball and then consequently try to play offense where their defense doesn't get exposed, right? Yeah. And and that's a big failing and a fallacy that a lot of these defensive-minded coaches have. The beauty of a Bob Stoops and I think one of the things that made him a great coach, why he's going to be in the college football Hall of Fame, Is Bob Stoops said, no, 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 I'm a good defensive coach. Therefore, we're going to open it up on offense because I can cover for it. And I understand what gives me trouble, right? It's a wide open spread offense. You know, Stoops was one of the early, early adopters. And I think probably the Spurrier influence affected him a little bit as well. I don't think Brent Venables is one of those cautious defensive coordinators who's going to try to limit the offense and feature his defense. I think he, I think he understands the deal. And that's an important check, check in the box. And I guarantee you, Joe Castiglione wouldn't have hired him if he didn't get that sense from him. Yeah. But I don't know that he's going to be an elite recruiter. And I really think this offensive hire, as you said, the offensive line coach, all these supporting personnel, man, it's going to be huge. So let's see what he does. But holy shit, Steve Sarkeesian has been given an opportunity right now.
1: Yeah, he has. You know the the thing about the reason that that Stoops hired Leach, he was at Florida and they beat Kentucky. I don't know, it was like fifty five twenty eight or fifty five thirty five or something like that. I mean, that was when they were just loaded. There, uh, and I think there was a year they ended up winning the national championship. But he kind of put that as a mental note in and said, "All right." Whenever I get the job, I'm going to go hire someone just like you said that I have problems defensively dealing with. I think Venables will probably take that same track, but we'll see. We'll see how it works out. I'm not really scared, but I also know that OU. I mean, OU won a Big 12 championship with Paul Thompson, so uh, th- there have been a lot of times where I haven't been scared of them, and they end up winning winning the league. Obviously, that'll change a little bit with the SEC, but that'll certainly still be Texas' main rival, who they're looking looking at. And you're right. Yeah, this is an opportunity for Sark. I would caution Texas fans, it, when you're looking outside of your own house and you inside your house is a shit show, I would deal with your house. Texas has to get that figured out it, regardless of what's going on with their rivals. If you're familiar with the work of Jordan Peterson...
0: Yes, I am. A little bit of a cultural... Uh, Flashpoint. I'm not sure why, because if you listen to what he says, it's effectively common sense. But one of the things he preaches is before you go trying to change the world, before you go trying to insert yourself into the grand issues of the day, why don't you make sure your own house is in order? Why don't you make sure your room is clean? And that's the metaphor he uses. Uh, I think that can apply to Texas here as well. Get your ducks in a row before you start crowing and worrying about the surrounding landscape. And if the surrounding landscape is favorable, well, the thing that you can control within your locus of control
1: is getting your program up to speed. And that includes NIL. Man, so I told you that there was going to be a, a second one dropping. I've been hearing about that. And to go with the what is the Clark Collective this, this is where... This whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. Is- hey, these aren't Marxists. These are guys trying to buy athletes. Let's be free market. Let's
1: not call them a collective. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, this is kind of what we, we've been talking about for a year on this podcast, is that Texas sometimes can be a little too cautious with this. As I've been saying for a while now, use your resources. That that can separate. And it sounds like they're going to be doing that with both these.
0: Yeah. So what Kevin is talking about, they just announced today $50,000 guaranteed to every offensive lineman at the University of Texas. That's the Pancake Factory. And uh, we're going to find out more about that soon. But if you add that to the up to $100,000 per player, per scholarship player at Texas, which could be what happens with the Clark Field Group, you're looking at an offensive lineman at the University of Texas making $150K a year over potentially up to five years. Right, and that's not even talking about if he gets his own
1: individual deals.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. What what if he gets a, an endorsement deal for Booty Sweat? <laughs> you remember that? Have you ever seen Tropic Thunder?
1: Yes, I have. Um, okay. No, no. It, it's one of the one of the few I, I have seen. Or I was thinking like pluckers or something like that. Right? I mean, there's for for big guys if they're good. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of options. So if you're starting at 150, I mean, hell, man, that that could be a game changer.
0: Wow. Hey, you know what? Congrats to you, Kevin, for having the character not to be territorial about your Pluckers money.
1: I, you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I want to I want to spread that out, especially if it's he for, wants- especially if it's for offensive linemen. I don't need to be at Pluckers watching another game with with the offensive lines we've had. Kevin wants to
0: spread those seventy five dollar checks around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they may be making a little bit more than than I am. So what what else what else are you hearing about this?
0: Well, I, look. This is more to come. If you're familiar with Surly Horns, which is a talk about a collective, talk it's a, it is one of the most entertaining, bizarre, and interesting creations on the internet. Um, and I'm I'm friendly with the original founder and the, and the current owner, and um, we're a part of the Surly Horns Burnt Ends NIL, which pays uh, guaranteed about ten grand to every tight end at Texas. So all of these little initiatives are sprouting up and there's just more that's going to happen. And you're going to see that happen also for the Olympic sports, right? Non-football, certainly basketball is going to start getting this. And I just think it's going to be the new way. And so the question is talking about, you know, the Jordan Peterson and first seeing to your own house before looking outside, Texas is going to have to find a, a balance between dropping legal bags, which is what this is, Right and getting players to perform and not be hyper-focused on their little burgeoning financial
1: empire. So that, that's the big thing right there, is that you're already, before all this, you're already dealing with entitlement and what seems to be guys feel like they've made it once they get on campus. And that's, what, that's really the brilliance of Nick Saban, is that Saban keeps those guys really hungry, keeps them motivated, and keeps their mind right for the most part and that's been a big issue at Texas this is only going to make that job tougher you know what this is the end of Kevin what calling these guys kids yeah oh I, I think a lot I think a lot of it is and I think as we saw all these coaches bouncing around it it's much easier to swallow that without having the apologetic take for the kids oh these poor kids well what about the kids no uh they're in the real world now. Well, <laughs> oh, cuz I was on that show, you just you you, you, you couldn't you you couldn't get past that. Let's talk about an NIL plug. Kevin just made $50. And Paul, are you high?
0: I am. I'm high on life and I'm telling kids about it. Hey, here's the <laughs> other part about the kids and you nailed it, right? You're not going to have the um the ability to talk about the mercenary nature of the head coaches where the kids are stuck, right? right. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be calling them kids at all because they're getting paid. They're not amateurs anymore. And so the, the old social mores and folkways of being a good fan at the college level is you don't boo your, your players, right? You don't criticize these 19-year-olds. Well, what about when the 19-year-old's making 175 grand a year? That makes it a little easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying it is. And I think you're going to start seeing athletic performance and a professionalization of the college ranks where fans treat them as sort of NFL players. You know, you're going to see that, of course, with the portal because there's a, it's a sort of a de facto free agency where you can pick your own destination. Uh, and in a way, because there's no salary cap, this is going to look more like Premier League soccer where the richest, most powerful organizations can buy up the talent. And the smaller teams are trying to get by on great scouting and, and development and talent identification.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to look like the NFL pre-salary cap. Think the NFL of the 80s when you'd have Steve Berline, who'd be a starter at 10 other organizations, be the backup because Jerry Jones wanted to to go ahead and spend the money. Niners did the same thing with with Montana, Young, and Bono. So I think it's going to look more like that. I don't know about your soccer reference. I don't follow that.
0: Well, it's a sport and it's played and it's a perfect
1: reference. Okay. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is.
0: So basically the long sort of is is school uh, teams. I don't really watch soccer that much either, but the big powerful uh, squads like Barcelona and Manchester United, they basically have open-ended salary caps. And they they can spend whatever they want on anybody. And then the smaller, more modest Premier League teams that are, say, trying to pr- compete with Manchester United, they might have one-fifth of the budget. And so they have to really get by on getting talent early and identification. And eventually those guys are going to get bought. It's like the old Oakland A's under Billy Bean yeah. and go, go, trying to go against the Yankees in Major League Baseball.
1: Right. And and actually, Bean, Tampa Bay, the the Rays, what they're doing – they're the ones that are balling on a budget and doing it pretty well. So, I think there's still going to be there's still going to be the Matt rules of the world that really evaluate talent well and developmental guys and then develop those guys. So, uh it doesn't mean that obviously it's it's just going to turn into you know 10 schools that are winning everything, but it's a serious advantage and you know one thing I like about this is that college basketball got ruined because they lost all their talent. And you could say they were late to the party. This hopefully will stop that in our lifetime to where you're not going to have – because at some point it was probably going to go down that, that road. I know it's a lot different just getting college football players to be able to compete at the NFL level. But there are some guys that are freshmen or sophomores that could have done that. It was heading that direction. If they're getting paid like they're getting paid right now, hopefully it'll, it'll delay that.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, you know, there's far fewer, for physical developmental reasons, far fewer football players that can compete in the NFL. Even the really talented ones, they just get hurt right away, right? right. But the NBA, you've got these freaks, and not just LeBron James types, but there's guys that can go in and play right away. Uh, but you know, it takes a while. Even these young guys, the really young ones, even Kevin Durant, he was a one and done guy. You know, his rookie year, you could see the promise, you could see the talent in the NBA. He wasn't that great, but Within two or three years, he's one of the best two or three players on the planet. So I think you'll see a similar thing with college basketball. I don't know if you're going to see the classic, you know, North Carolina, Georgetown, 80s matchups where you've got Sam Perkins, James Worthy, uh, Patrick Ewing, Michael Jordan all on the floor. Right. But I do think you're going to see some really good players stay till
1: their junior years now. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. And, pay him. I, I've got, got no problem with that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I thought football maybe headed down that, that path at some point. But I think that this is going to, like I said, kind of delay it. And then you bring up an excellent point. It could maybe get some of that talent to stay in college basketball. We're already seeing it with college baseball. I mean, Ivan Melendez, I think, got more from last stand hats than what, what he was being offered by Miami. Well, that's
0: that's awesome, and that's a great tool. Talk about a, a differentiating tool for baseball, because there really aren't that many teams that take college baseball very seriously. And I'm not saying that, like, as a, a knock on baseball. Yeah. I know I always talk shit. No, but I, know. I know what you're saying. So There's more, there's more now the schools, than there were. If If you are one of the schools that takes baseball very seriously, as the University of Texas does, and it's a part of our fan culture, right, it's a huge differentiating mechanism, because tech you know going to go play baseball for texas forget chopping up 11.7 scholarships right i mean a a lot of lay people don't understand that the average a lot of stars at the university of texas were not on full scholarship they had a 0.7 scholarship or a 0.8 or a 0.5 share right right?
1: yeah no crazy it's nuts i mean yeah if if, i could go through it it would blow people's minds if you went through the national championship teams of our lifetime and some of the stars and told told people exactly what they were getting it like obviously 11.7 is ridiculous that's a huge part of of title 9 but this is a good way to to kind of work around that a little bit and also work around how unfair it is the private schools some of them have 25 rides or 30 rides
0: yeah i think we were i was looking at the where people signed uh, with the last baseball class. And, you know, what was it? Houston Baptist?
1: Yeah, Houston Baptist, Lance Berkman.
0: I mean, an, an amazing number of elite high school players going there for full rides, yep. right? Yep. And, you know, I think this is going to obviate that. Obviously, if you get enough NIL money in the baseball program, you you could effectively go to Texas on scholarship and then have some extra and, you know, buy a car and you're good to go. You're living the high life and, you know, Texas can go get as many guys as they want and you can get really interesting using the walk-on program and effectively put those guys on de facto scholarship.
1: Hey, what do you have you taken a look at the four star linebacker Texas got kid who was committed to Oklahoma?
0: Yeah, I know a little bit about him. I watched a little film. Um, I don't know where he's a fit, to be honest. Um, he's one of these guys that's a four star athlete. But one of the issues that Texas has had, and really any team has, even at the NFL level, if you're just sort of drafting talent without assessing need or fit, you just kind of end up with these triangles you're trying to fit into squares sometimes. And that happens at Texas. You know, that's one of the reasons when you look at recruiting, and Texas has these lofty recruiting rankings, but it doesn't always pan. Some of that's loss, right? Some of that's Uh, depletion of the roster but some of it is you get these really good athletes that if they were in another system playing a different position they'd probably be pretty effective but they're at Texas and they're on their third defensive coordinator in four or five years and you really don't know where to play him I think that's where this guy is it's not clear where you're going to play him if he's a traditional off the ball linebacker or if he's an edge guy Um, he might be a tweener but he is a good athlete so we'll see
1: Speaking of linebacker DeMarvion Overshone says he's coming back, so does Deshaun Jamison. Overshone could be big. That's a smart move for both of them, but certainly Overshone, I don't see Deshaun Jamison playing DB in the NFL. Maybe he maybe he turns it around, but we've seen enough from him. Overshone, there's still a lot there, a lot of false steps, uh, but he's got the athleticism to play in current day current day league. At that position, he just has to get a hell of a lot better. But this is going to be a huge offseason for him. Glad he's coming back.
0: Yeah, Charles de Gaulle once said of Brazil, Brazil has potential and always will.
1: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about DeMarvian because even after this season, in which if you go on Inside Texas on On, on Three, um, you know, I write a post mortem for every game and I break down the play of the players. And I watch DeMarvian overshown play every game. He didn't play well. And it, it's, you know, it's the false steps. It's the lack of instinct. It's not taking on blocks effectively. Anyone who thought he was going to be drafted in the NFL at, a, at even anything more than a seventh round flyer, you're just delusional. You don't understand what NFL GMs are looking for. You don't understand the game. I, I don't understand what you're watching. And I, I'm, I'm reading the boards and there's guys like, well, he, he'll probably go pro. He's probably a second or third round pick. And I'm just like, No. Where do you buy your street drugs and how many how much are you taking?
1: Well, it it's also caught caught in your own bubble. I mean, I think we see that a lot. Some people just watch their team and if you just watch your team, you're going to you probably don't have a pretty good feel for how these guys how these guys relate or how they stack up against some of the other players in college football. So you and I watch a lot of college football. And it doesn't take very long to see DeMarvion play for Texas and other guys and be like, this guy's, yeah, you hit it, maybe sixth, seventh round flyer or UDFA.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And, but he does have a lot of potential. He does have the ability to improve his lot and I think have a really good final season. Keandre Coburn also coming back. Keandre really started the year terribly, played pretty poorly throughout the middle stretch. And then the last two or three games played better football. I'm not sure if that's because he was playing pretty poor offensive lines against you know Kansas and Kansas State, or if you know, he kind of figured something out. But he needs to have a really good offseason. I'm not sure what bullshit he was doing last offseason, but whatever he did, he needs to do the Costanza and do the opposite.
1: Just do the opposite. So I wanted to ask you about that. What does he need to do? He lost weight to try and have better endurance and be out on the field more. But I hell- I think he lost muscle. I, well that, so that that's what I was going to say. He lost weight and he lost muscle. He he just didn't have his pad level was also crappy for a lot of the year too. So there are, there are technical things outside of him just losing some strength that that played into his performance this year, but he's got to yeah. he's got to get stronger, man. Well, not only that, but your pad
0: level is associated with your strength, Fair. particularly as a big guy. Yeah. Because it's hard to stay low when you're carrying 345. I mean, That's why Malcolm Brown was such an MFer to deal with when he was at Texas. And of course, he's still having a great NFL career. He is a low to the ground dude with a lot of lower body strength who keeps his pads low. And and if a really strong, squatty defensive lineman with great explosion keeps his pad low, I mean, the six foot five, six foot six offensive line, they have a lot of trouble with that guy. You just can't get a surface, you can't get a piece of him. And you know they can be really disruptive. You know, you saw the same thing with Andrew Billings when he was at Baylor. So, you know, that's what Keiondre Coburn needs to work on. And you know, one of the many overhauls the strength and conditioning program needs in this off season. We'll see what happens with that. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. Anything else we want to hit on Texas NIL? I mean, we're finally weaponizing.
1: Yeah. No. I'm. I'm just glad. I. I, I look. I. I had talked to a couple donors. I know you had too. But. They they were so willing and wanted to spend money to get this thing turned around. Um, we can get on the the Texas alums or the money guys for sticking their nose into stuff when they probably shouldn't and creating at times the toxic environment that we've seen on the forty. But there's also also a lot of good things when they're willing to give you blank checks. It was just about it was about Texas allowing it and then also. Organizing it, and it feels like we're getting both those right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And I honestly, I think recently the Texas alums have been nothing but a force for good across I the board. I agree. All right. So Texas NIL is this? I can't say too little because it's it's a, a ton of money. But is it, is it a lot too late? No, Or is it just in time that we can hit some people in the portal and, and try to save this 2022 class?
1: I mean, it may be too late for this class, so if you want to say that. I don't think it's too late, though. I, like, I wish Texas would have would have done it sooner, but this thing, think macro here. This thing's just getting started.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think as people see what it can be, uh, it's going to be huge. That said... It's going to have some downstream effects and some unanticipated effects that the program really has to manage. If you're not running a tight cultural ship right now, this money is going to be a corrupting and corrosive factor to player buy-in,
1: yeah, which has already been a problem without that money. So you yeah add, you, exactly you know what I mean so so you, so you add yeah. all this and it, I mean, think about anything like jake, you your kid. I mean, if you're a parent and you have a problem, Jake's not a problem, but if you've got a problem with your kid and all of a sudden something is introduced which is going to inflame that problem or aggravate it even more and you haven't dealt with it before, whatever that thing comes to, to elevate it, you're going to be up shit creek, man.
0: Well, so outside of Nick Saban world, there, also, there always used to be this tension in college football coaches where you have that end-of-the-year player debrief and you've got a player who's trying his hardest. He's not very talented, it turns out. And he's doing what he should for the program. He goes to class, good guy. He's he's working hard in strength and conditioning. He's just not that good. It didn't pan out for whatever reason. Tendency was that you keep that guy around, right? You're going to have to push that guy out now. Yeah. And that's a shame. It's it's easy to push out the guy who's being a turd and an idiot And, you know, he's got gun charges and he gets in a big argument with his girlfriend. And there's like a bunch of, you know, also it's easy to get rid of those guys. And especially when they're not performing on the field, right? The real tension is what do you do with the guy who's bought in, doing his best, trying his ass off, loves Texas, is a good locker room influence, is a good guy. In today's NIL world, in today's transfer portal world, that's a guy you have to process out. And the Nick Sabans of the world are very comfortable doing that. Uh, they, and they do it often with medical red shirts. I was about or, or the, to say medical retirement, baby. Medical retirement, not a red shirt. Thank you for the correction. Uh, Texas is going to have to start doing that. And I know for people who are college football traditionalists and love the, the white knight aspects of, of college sports compared to the NFL, all that's kind of going to go away.
1: Yeah, it will. Uh, medical retirement was exactly what I was thinking. So you tell him, hey, we love you, uh, but look, this is a business at this point. And so that kind of gets back to our point earlier about kids can't say, well, I mean, I'm just a student athlete. Well, no, you're you're making a lot of money and you're not living up to that on the field. Tell them, hey, medical retirement, we'd love for you to be still part of the program, or if you want to go try and play somewhere else, we'll try and help you out.
0: You know when you had that mild strain of your back, Kevin, a couple of weeks ago doing strength and conditioning, we actually think that you're near paralyzed and you probably <laughs> need to retire right
1: exactly no you just you just give him options and just try and be as honest as possible. yeah, Saban has no problem doing that. I don't know I don't know where Sark is on that. he obviously's got some some years with Saban, so maybe he can follow that path. The biggest thing right now is that it i mean uh, the the real issue is gonna be not only with the entitlement and the cultural culture if if guys just you know it just gets to their head, but what if you have close to the offensive line Texas has had the last couple of years and they're making one fifty? Mm-hmm. Look, this is kind of like nuclear
0: weapons. Not to overstate this, right? Okay, Uh, where are you going with this? Nothing nothing is more like college football than geopolitics (laughs) and and annihilation. But people who say we should disarm while our enemies have them, you have no other option. So we're going to have to try to – we're going to have this to do the NIL thing. We're going to have to pay players, and you're going to have to find a way to mitigate, channel, and make this productive Uh, Because disarmament is not an option, right? No. We can't not pay these guys. You have to. Yep, you have to. So it is absolutely incumbent on Sark and his team to make priority one, that they build a culture that can marry this brave new world. Because I'm telling you, the coaches who can't do it, who can't pull that off, they are screwed. Talk about locker room insurrections. Talk about – you know, 30 scholarship players hitting the transfer portal in two weeks. I mean, everything is on the table now.
1: It is. It's also why it's a little surprising that Mario Cristobal, I know he played at Miami. I remember him playing there won a couple championships as an offensive lineman. And then he's a Miami guy. But Oregon, with their advantages, with name, image, and likeness and Phil Knight and Nike, that seemed like that was just going to be a golden job. I was a little surprised he took it. You can learn a lot about someone based on how they view
0: the Miami job versus the Oregon job okay. because there's a parallel. And when I say there's a parallel, I don't mean they're exactly the same because I've noticed in today's culture, and in today's Internet, if you make a comparison, people say it's not exactly the same. Yeah. One place is in the Pacific Northwest. Right. One place is on the bottom of Florida. It's like, yes, correct. It has but- to be
1: 100 percent carbon copy. For you to that's tweet, right for you to tweet uh, that Paul the
0: purpose of comparison is that things have to be exactly the same right but the comparison that might be useful to think about this is Oklahoma to USC which is Oregon and Oklahoma have all the resources and support in the world but Miami and USC have all the athletes potentially and we're seeing maybe two coaches and again there's the Mario Cristobal factor of he's He's a Cuban American. There's a huge draw to Miami itself, but he's not doing this to be, it's not a charity case for him. He thinks he can, he can monopolize the South Florida athlete, which when we know historically, Kevin, when the Miami hurricanes land, the South Florida athlete, and then start to be the Pied Piper more nationally, as they raise their brand, they become a dynasty. They become a dynasty and they put out some effing rosters. So, that's what Cristobal sees. Oregon effectively, talk about NIL or Phil Knight or all the different deals they strike. It's effectively a bottomless well of resources, but they're located in the Pacific Northwest, which is a athlete-starved area.
1: Yeah, no, you, you have to make your living in Southern California, and he's done a good job with that. I mean, you got Kayvon Thibodeau. He's gotten some guys from that area, but it's much easier, obviously, if you're, if you're just doing it and they're, they're in your neighborhood, which why it made sense for Lincoln Riley to go from OU to USC. I'm just curious, does Miami have that type of money? I mean, I know they're paying them $8 million a year, and they said that they're going to really jump in and, and go all in on trying to, to financially help out the football program. I just, I've i always wondered, with, with their alums, how much money does Miami have? Miami is kind of poor,
0: but all you need is one or two crazed alums. And that's, you can be a player, especially since it's a private school and you don't have to report the structure of the contract. So the other thing is Miami doesn't have a fan base. I mean, no, they My- don't have resources. They don't have a lot of things. And it's really going to be an interesting battle for Cristobal because he's going to go from the most resourced place, arguably in the country, Right. To a place where you know there's probably some Texas high school weight rooms <laughs> that could compare to the Miami Hurricanes.
1: I wonder if this opens up banks to Texas. Maybe. I mean, think about Sorry? this: uh, banks, the the five star offensive lineman is it Kelvin Banks? Uh, oh yeah, no who, doubt. Who had committed to Oregon? You think about this offensive line NIL thing for Texas and Cristobal leaving. That that should that should give Texas at least a shot with him.
0: Hey, talking about, I think that's right. And you know what? Let's cover recruiting when that gets a little more clear because right now, so many things are up in the air. I don't even want to speculate on what we're capable of getting. I think Texas could land this, they could finish this class with an avalanche of shocking players that we didn't even know we were in the game for. Or it could be, you know, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, sad ukulele or whatever. What's, is it a trumpet horn? What is it? I think I
1: had to get the trumpet. Did I say ukulele? Yeah, wow. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I'm telling you <laughs> oh, you're high, oh. man.
0: Oh man. I don't know what's happening to me, but, um, I, I will just see. I mean, yes, I think it, it's going to change the landscape for a lot of things. Let me ask you this. Lincoln Riley goes to USC, Oregon and Mario Cristobal. know they have to feed in Southern California. to remain viable. then, and if you guys don't believe us, go back and look at Oregon's last couple of recruiting classes. They just, they raided the crap out of California. Is Lincoln Riley going to USC, the little tipping point that made Mario Cristobal go to Miami? I
1: think it's a great, great question. And I, my guess, and it's only a guess, would be yes. That, that, that just added to the pros of leaving because it's going to be a hell of a lot harder. Now, what about Chip Kelly to Oregon? What do you think about that? Wow, it makes complete sense.
0: Doesn't it? It does. I mean, it, it just makes too much sense. Um, UCLA, did not a tremendous commitment to football uh, at that school. Oregon, the ultimate commitment to football, kind of like an Oklahoma. Man, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Chip has shown, because of his contrarian sort of offense, and also he doesn't love recruiting, he has shown the ability to be very competitive with not necessarily loaded rosters. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean that any I think any anything and everything is on the table. It's amazing that a week ago we report, recorded a podcast talking about five of the top ten jobs in college football being open. Well, if you throw in Miami and Oregon, is it seven of the top fifteen or seven of the top certainly top twenty?
1: Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's almost half of of the top twenty jobs in in college football. I mean, it has been silly season that like we haven't seen before, and especially with the NIL and everything that goes into it, it's just it's a changing landscape, and we're looking at it real time, which is always always tough to figure out.
0: Hey, speaking of that landscape, I want to hit this before we're we're out because I'm looking at the clock. You and I have been talking for. About 45 minutes. It feels like it's been 10. Yeah. But uh, they played a bunch of title games, conference title games. You and I want to run through them really quickly and just get your quick reaction. We don't need to do a deep dive. You and I had conjectured about the quality of this Georgia defense. You and I both thought it was full of athletes. Uh, obviously very talented. But we weren't sure about it because, as we referenced to some of those Alabama defenses that were much ballyhooed but overrated in the in the – like 2010s, they hadn't played an elite offense. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs played an elite offense, and they got their asses beat.
1: Yeah, it was a bad matchup. Look, I, I thought this Georgia defense was, was all-time good, certainly up front. The question was in the back end, and they hadn't been tested. And all of a sudden, you know, I still thought Georgia was going to win that because Bama had to replace their center, replace their right tackle, Bama had had issues. They had six yards rushing against LSU. They were scoreless against Auburn for three quarters. Yep. But they were able to – it was a good matchup because Georgia's question was in the back end. They gave him enough time, and with Jamison Williams and then John Mechie, who's going to be out, that was was too much. And also, you give a team that's that loaded and that talented and has that head coach – rat poison that he wants and he was firing those guys up all week long they came out ready to play look georgia wanted to win an sec championship but they clearly thought too much of themselves and also i think they knew that if they lose this they're still in yeah and you know what bill O'Brien, hell of a game plan finally after
0: some legitimate criticism that he'd endured and georgia very simplistic on the back end and that got exposed big time.
1: Yeah, it did. And they're, they're a little too simplistic offensively. That was one of my questions that if they had to get into a shootout, could they match that? And they couldn't. So should be interesting. Uh, We'll, we'll see what kind of adjustments they make, but it's not going to be shocking at all. If Alabama wins another national championship.
0: Hey, another quick react and probably we don't need to do much on this. I just thought it was amusing. Utah played Oregon for the PAC 12 title. Utah wins easily 38 to 10. The two teams had played each other earlier in the year. Go, Utah beat Oregon 38 to 7. <laughs> and the Oregon team. They played and, two uh, weeks play, ago. They were like, that's not us. You're gonna see, you're gonna see a different Oregon. And a lot of people bought that. And Oregon was sort of this darling pick to beat Utah and win the pack. No, Utah beat their ass and did exactly the same way they did it last time, which is they exposed. Talk about a weekend of exposing quarterback play, Kevin, because Georgia, you saw on offense, couldn't really get it done because of the limitations of their quarterback. You really saw that with Oregon going against that Utah defense. And then we saw that in the Big 12 title game. Baylor wins the Big 12 title with Dave Aranda. They went two and seven last year. Uh, They beat the Oklahoma State Cowboys 21 to 16 with an amazing uh, last second goal line stand. Spencer Sanders completely falls apart in this game, and the Oklahoma, the Baylor defense just utterly dominated.
1: Yeah, and I'll start with Oregon-Utah. If, if people thought that Anthony Brown, who's not been good all year at quarterback for Oregon, and, and that matchup, if that was going to change in a couple weeks, because they played a couple weeks ago, and Utah yeah. just beat the hell out of them. And the yep. Utah offensive line, man, that is a physical culture. I, I heard a number, and I thought about you because we love our – polynesian football players they've got 43 guys on scholarship that have polynesian roots and man that that is a tough physical football team and their offensive line has just been mashing people cam rising has been playing pretty well for them too and it's kind of given them that leadership that that, that they need utah would not be a fun team to play right now also van was a van uh Fillinger? Remember the guy who committed to Texas and then ended oh, up yeah. signing with Utah, the guy who looks like the bad guy in Greece? He, <laughs> no, he does. Dude, he, he looks exactly like him. He, he, he is, looks like a member of Sha-na-na. <laughs> yes, yes. He, he's a baller, man. He's starting at defensive end as a freshman and kicking ass.
0: Yeah, he's a total stud. Uh, yeah, a lot of physicality at Utah. Baylor, Oklahoma State, two uh. great defenses. One of the teams had a quarterback make mistakes. The other team had a quarterback throw the game away.
1: All year long, we've been saying they've been working around Spencer Sanders and they couldn't work around him. And I thought Jeff Grimes' game plan, the offensive coordinator who'd come for BYU, great hire by Aranda, thought his game plan for Blake Shapin and that offense was brilliant, especially in the first half. That gave them the lead, gave them enough. Aranda, Oma, I couldn't believe Aranda went for it early in the third quarter and you've got look you've got a uh, a good grip on this game and he goes for it in his own territory that kind of turned things and then obviously the 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 fumble punt by uh, by Ebner almost gave it to him but a hell of a hell of a stand i tell you what the big 12 this year considering what it was and these were the two best big 12 teams and they played they played the style that the whole league played this year which was run game defense field position I thought it was fitting that they came down to a goal line stand to win the Big 12 this year.
0: Well, even more fitting if you had any doubts about Dave Aranda being a cool customer to the point of maybe not having a heartbeat as they make that incredible tackle on the goal line stand. Because you think at first the Oklahoma State player has the angle. He's going to make it. The Baylor sideline explodes when they realize that he's short and Dave Aranda is just standing there, not even reacting with his arms folded. Did yeah. you see
1: that? Yeah, yeah. No, he's thinking, all right, we have to get out of the end zone. What do we do here? How how do how do we get this done? No, he is a he is a cool, cool customer. So is David McClellan, fiduciary financial advisor from Form Financial. He'll take all the emotions out and and really just give you what you need and that is expertise in the financial world. He specializes in financial life coaching, also retirement planning. He's going to get you that financial freedom number. That's what you got to figure out. What is that number? That's going to completely change your life once you hit that. He's going to give you some some tips and kind of let you know some things you could do to build your wealth and also achieve financial freedom faster. Great guy, incredibly sharp guy. 312 933 8823 It's David McClellan, Forum Financial. Give him a call. 312 933 8823 or DMcClellan at com. You get a free consultation if you just mention us.
0: Hey, we got a couple more minutes. Do you want to hit on Michigan, Iowa, or any of the other uh any other of the big uh, title games?
1: I mean, Michigan, Iowa, uh, Iowa just fell apart this year. Iowa's all about turnovers and then once they get that going they get the snowball going and Michigan was not going to allow them to do that. I got to give Michigan a lot of love, man. I didn't buy him for a lot of the year and I was wrong.
0: They are a very hard-nosed football team. They've got pretty good talent. They certainly have a good defensive line. It's it's fun to watch them play. They remind me a lot of Harbaugh Stanford teams. Yeah. His best Stanford teams.
1: They absolutely do. And when you've got two first-round picks, possibly two top 10, top 15 picks, Aiden Hutchinson definitely will be that. And then David Ajabo, they've got, they've got probably four or five guys on defense that are going to be drafted in the first couple of rounds. They've got a really good linebacker. they got uh, a really good DB who could be a first-rounder. They've got some talent, but this was – you hit the nail on the head, man. This, this was You talked about it with Utah. This was just a really tough, very Harbaugh-esque team.
0: Yeah, no Andrew Luck to be found. If they had Andrew Luck, no. uh, I'd be handing them the title and uh, picking, betting a lot of money on them in Vegas to win it all. But uh, no, not quite. Cade McManera uh, is not going to make you forget Andrew Luck anytime soon.
1: No, he's not. He got better throughout the year. I thought Josh Gaddis, the OC, opened up that offense too as the year went on. And they, they took just enough shots to go with a really, really good running game. They've got Haskins and Quorum, Nice one-two punch. You know, when, when I saw Charbonnet running early on at UCLA, I thought, what the hell did Michigan do? Michigan's got plenty of running backs, and I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that they won the Big Ten. It's the good thing about this college football year. It's just nice to change it up a little bit, even though I'm well aware this was not a great college football year at the top.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Hey, speaking of that, it did create an opening for Cincinnati. They beat Houston in their conference title game, the American Athletic Conference. Cincinnati 13-0, 8-0 in conference. Obviously a good football team. They make it into the playoff. I don't think they're going to advance. But how good are they? They did uh, They did thrash your Irish.
1: Oh, they beat them by 11. I don't know about thrash.
0: Oh, that was pretty much a destruction. I think they took their yeah. foot off the gas. It could have been by 30. Yeah, okay.
1: They, they beat them, and so they're better, and they, they deserve to be in. There's no question about that. And this was a perfect year because of what we just said about this being kind of a down year for them to get in. They're a really good team. Um, and they've gotten – they've kind of – it's all come together the last couple of weeks where Desmond Ritter wasn't playing great to begin the year and then he was playing well. Then other parts of the team weren't playing at the level they had at the beginning of the year. And now they've got Ritter. They've got the defense. Uh, it's a damn good football team. I – you know – I they're a 13-point dog against Alabama for a reason, but I, I would love, love to see them at least make that a game.
0: Yeah, I would love to see a game. And, I mean, it would be an epic all-time upset if they could pull it off. I mean, we're talking –
1: Boise State, Oklahoma. We're talking Princeton
0: over Georgetown. Whoa. Right? That would be incredible. If you If you just like the underdog, if you like the game, I would love to see Alabama get beaten by Cincinnati. It ain't going to happen.
1: I don't think it's going to happen either. I think Georgia Michigan could be interesting because Michigan has Michigan physically, I'm curious kind of what they what they can do. One thing Michigan can do is obviously apply pressure on on the quarterback, but run defense. They've got a pretty damn good run defense. Take away the second half against Michigan State. That's going to be a physical football game, man. It's going to be very physical.
0: I think Michigan's going to hold down the Georgia offense. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people think now Georgia's defense is vulnerable though they're vulnerable to a good passing attack with elite receivers.
1: Yes. They're
0: not vulnerable to the Michigan Wolverines.
1: Right. No, this is a bad matchup for Michigan. If Michigan, that's why the Alabama matchup was good. They had two receivers. They had a big-time quarterback. If they gave him enough time, they were going to be able to probably get after that secondary, which they did. Michigan just doesn't have that.
0: Hey, before we go, we have Army-Navy this Saturday or this weekend. Are you going to watch that game? And is that a game you care about? No, and no.
1: Um, really? I, so yeah,
0: I watch it every year, and I love it.
1: Yeah, I, I I've watched it. I'll, I'll watch a little bit usually, but there's high school football going on. You know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I understand the pageantry. I've got nothing but love for those kids, and nothing but respect for what they're doing now and the sacrifice that that they're making, especially the ones that that end up serving. But no, it's just, it's just not great football.
0: Yeah, it's not great football. It's, it's old school. It's like watching some old ball horns, 1960s, 1970s football. But what I love about the game is the intensity, how hard they play, and just sort of the representation of what it's about. It's, it's sort of a – there's no NIL. And there's a – it's a dose of sort of a game that's lost – and I just love the intensity level. You always get really bad weather, which is fun. You can get you know freaking snowdrifts, and you, lo- you, you like, lose sight of the players on the field. I think it's a lot of fun. It's also neat. I am the son of a West Point graduate, so Army's won four of the last five. After Navy had this incredible streak of I think 14 in a row, so I'm fired up. Army's eight and three. I think they're going to beat Navy, and uh, I'll be watching. Even if Kevin will be watching Westlake take apart. Uh, DeSoto or whoever the hell Westlake's playing.
1: They're playing Katie. They're playing Katie, man. And Oops, this is the game. Th- this could be the game. This is the one I was telling you. We'll, we'll see. We'll see just how all-time Westlake is against the Katie Tigers, I believe. That'll be in Waco. Well, I
0: think Katie's very good. I think Westlake's all-time good, potentially. And I think Westlake's going to win this and cruise to state.
1: Man, I'm telling you, that, that first half against Vandergrift, they were up 56 nothing. They blocked three punts, had three picks they're just on a different level because I got a lot of respect for Drew Sanders and what he's done at Vandergrift and, and shout out to those kids that that wasn't your fault that that was just an unfair matchup.
0: Well, we talk about the professionalization of college. Well, I'd like a little professionalization of high school. Let's not have USA today on a poll, decide the best team. Let's get matter
1: day and Westlake in a, in a neutral field and see what's up. God, I would love that. I would absolutely love that throw in IMG and we'll, got all right buddy I got a roll we'll see if we do one later this week all right yep sounds good y'all take care